Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our latest Housing Matters Podcast. My name is Oscar Way. I'm here with Jordan. Hey, everyone. Hi. Um, so last time we uh, had our um, Housing Matters podcast, it was episode 616. This is episode 617. And last time we talked about the uh, Trump election results uh, effect on housing market. And this time we want to talk a little bit about the uh, real estate finance, specifically on mortgage rates, trends, and also on some loan limit stuff. So let's start with mortgage rates. Jordan, Recently, we see some. We have been seeing some increase in interest rates, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the dust has started to settle a little bit in terms of just you know digesting the election results. Um, but uh, one of the big kind of most concrete ways that I think the election has really affected the housing market directly is through um, rates, which have jumped you know up over four percent for the first time. Um, this year and you know up to 4.2 percent over the course of a, a very short period of time it's actually like a 60 basis point jump um, you know which is about a 16 or 17 percent increase from where rates were you know just this time last month oh that's pretty significant uh, you're right you're right you know 60 basis point from for just what two weeks three weeks period of time yeah i mean it's it's a pretty dramatic jump and if you look at it on a chart it, it's that much more impactful because you really see how it just you know kind of popped up really subsequent to that election uh, almost immediately and have kind of stayed at those relatively high levels over the course of the last three four weeks right and we were talking about of course of course three year fixed rate and we did some analysis before maybe in some of your slides uh, that you do in the presentation with a 50 basis point increase in interest rate it amounts to maybe about 110 120 dollars a month depending on where you are i mean right. at the statewide median it can be anywhere you know up to 300 dollars a month which is you know about three four thousand dollars extra that you know a buyer or a, a homeowner will have to come up with to to make those payments every month and so that's a not insignificant amount of money especially in the context or the back against the backdrop of a, a housing market that was already, you know, unaffordable and and fewer and fewer folks able to actually afford homes, um, higher rates are just going to make that issue that much more acute. I think. Right. Definitely. And of course, because of the interest rates increase, we want we want to look at you know why incre- uh, we have such an increase in interest rates. Yeah. In what's going on there? Right. Now I know that we know that you know mortgage rates thirty year fifteen years step back to the uh, treasury yield, right? Yeah. The ten-year yield, ten-year yield went up also about sixty basis point from somewhere around one point eight percent to two point four percent in the last couple weeks, and there are many different, a couple reasons. One of the reasons that I offered before was people because of the somewhat somewhat surprise election results. You can call it a surprise. Okay. I think that's fair. Well, yeah, I want to be uh, you know a little sure. bit uh, um, tame on on that particular term, but. Now, because of the results, some people actually pull money out from the bond market and started investing in the stock market. And because of pulling out money from the bond market and putting it in the stock market, and the reason why they're uh, uh, optimistic about the stock market is because 
they anticipate more economic growth in the upcoming year. That's right. Um, and when you ha- pull money out from the bond market, of course, you have less demand for the bond, and bond prices go down. And, of course, yields has an inverse relationship with price, and it goes up. But there, there is a little bit more uh, economic uh, um, perspective yeah, and the increase in interest rates. Something about uh, inflation. Maybe you can address a little bit about the int- inflation, what we can anticipate in the upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, inflation is kind of the flip side of that growth story that you're talking about. I mean, clearly folks are, are betting on growth. That's why they're getting out of bonds and moving into the stock market. I think, you know, bonds are are the safe bet, right? That's where you put your money when you have a lot of trepidation about what's going on out there. Um, you know, as you pull those money out of the bonds, the government has to pay more in terms of a higher yield to attract those folks. Right. But I think the the flip side of the growth story is that we're already in an economy that's almost, you know, at full employment, especially in, in relatively high-skilled sectors. And so um, as you start to um, spur growth in that type of a full employment type environment, it really has the potential to create inflation. And I think, you know, that's the other thing um, that's driving bond rates higher and, and ultimately trickling through into mortgage rates is that, you know, folks are are expecting that inflation is going to, you know, get up to that Fed target of two, two and a half percent, maybe even go higher, um, you know, and so just as a result, in order to not lose money on your bond, um, they're kind of pricing that into the yields as well um, in terms of just kind of protecting their money against just straight up inflation right and and normally you know if we don't have a close to full employment situation we shouldn't worry too much about inflation but we're close to full employment in fact I think the last report that we received was suggested unemployment rate was 4.6 percent right which is by all means uh, economic means you know, usually it's about 4.8 to 5%. We're below that level. That's right. And this is not even before any fiscal stimulus have been inserted and in, injected into the economy. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, where the concern comes from, or maybe not concern, but at least the expectation for more inflation is that, um, you know, where are you going to kind of draw these workers from? You're going to have to pay higher wages. I mean, when you're at full employment, then you go out and spend a trillion dollars developing new infrastructure. You know, as great as that's going to be, for kind of the long-term health of our economy going forward, um, it is going to create pressure in those labor markets and, and generate, you know, more um, wage growth. It's just you're going to have to do it to be able to kind of bring more folks in, recruit people into to those jobs, um, given that they already have, you know, other employment options out there. So Definitely. And full employment and uh, fiscal stimulus, of course, contribute to inflation. But there's another part of it that, we may not have talked about too much or other economists may not have talked about too much is the possibility of if we have a, um, if the government decided, let's say China or some other countries or some countries that uh, are um, manipulating our uh, uh, conversion, uh, the currency rate, they could be labeled as Currency manipulators. Currency manipulators. And and with Congress, with or without Congress help, something could be done um, and maybe tack on a trade tariff or something like that on some of their imports, yep. which could lead to increase in prices on uh, some of the imported goods. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the one saving grace there is that the dollar is really strong right now, so that's going to, um, you know, offset some of that. But in terms of just, you know, 
a countervailing tariff, there's no doubt we import a lot of goods. I mean, you see it every time there's an uptick in consumption. You see that a lot of those goods are sourced, you know, not from manufacturing plants here in the U.S., but they're coming right. in from China and South Korea and other places. Um, you know, we just have very global ties in terms of where the goods and services come from. And so, um, you know, it's not a, a zero-sum game in terms of jacking up the cost of bringing things in from abroad um, and thinking that that's not going to affect consumers' pocketbooks here at home. Yeah, and I know a lot of people wouldn't buy, mind paying, let's say, 800 bucks or 10 uh, or a thousand bucks for an iPhone but you know jumping from an iPhone possibly uh, currently costs about what 600 650 if you don't buy it from any retail uh, AT&T or any other um, uh, cell phone retailers uh, uh, providers but it's still a scary thought to see j- uh, such a jump from say six eight hundred bucks of a, a cell phone to a thousand bucks Sort yeah. of significant increase. Definitely, and I think it all comes back to the wage question, right? Consumers, if they you know have the option and we're at full employment, they're not going to take price increases like that on the chin, right? They're going to be looking to kind of bake that into their wage negotiations and and ask for that higher pay. And again, that's a you know a source of, of additional inflation. So that's right. And I think a lot of economists have already adjusted that um, their expectation for inflation rate. I believe by maybe about probably ranging from 50 to 100 basis point um, increase from previous uh, estimates prior to the Trump election result. Yeah, actually, I was just at the UCLA Anderson forecast yesterday, and they were talking about their forecast for Uh inflation, and they have revised it up uh, pretty significantly. They said that they do think that uh, over the course of next year, we'll stabilize at least at the Fed target of 2%, but could even see inflation go up to 3 3.5%, depending on, you know, how much of the stimulus actually happens and how quickly it gets deployed. But I think, you know, regardless of what that specific kind of estimate is for, um, you know, their number for inflation, I think that the the bigger picture story is that you know folks expect a lot more inflation and yeah, it's yeah. not just kind of a gut feeling that's what the professional forecasters out there are seeing as well so that means probably the federal reserve will have no doubt be increasing their fed funds rate yeah, I mean, yesterday they were uh, pretty explicit, lots of mentioning <laughs> about, uh, you know, eating of hats and things like that if we didn't see a rate increase this week. So. And it's not only this this particular year, in the upcoming year, we could possibly see, what, 50, 75 basis point, maybe even 100 basis point increase throughout the, the year. Yeah, UCLA said you could see as many as four more rate hikes next year, even more. Wow. So um, this, is, this seems like a, a real thing. And of course, with uh, anticipation of increase in interest rates, it's not, it's it, all over the news. Consumers know about it, potential home buyers know about it. What happened to the mortgage application industry in the last few weeks? Yeah, mortgage applications are down. I mean, refinancing is down. Uh, I think overall applications were down over 11%. Um, most of that, or actually all of that, was concentrated in refinancing, right? Right, right. Refinanced uh, down about 20% from October. Um, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, we, maybe we should know about this, for the purchase application, though, it actually went up by about 4%, 3.8%. And I think a lot of people, in general, anticipate increase in interest rate in the upcoming year. They want to rush in. Yeah, they want to get out in front of that, right? I mean, you don't want to kind of fall victim to that three, $400 a month increase in your in your owner cost or the cost of that mortgage just because you kind of waited around for an extra couple of months. And so I think um, 
over the very immediate term, maybe through the rest of the year, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see this continue with a rise in mortgage applications yeah. because anybody who was kind of on the fence or debating, should I get into the housing market now? Um, you know, the fact that rates have gone up so strongly and are expected to continue going up, I think that provides a pretty powerful kind of financial or pocketbook incentive to, to get in now. I don't think it's going to um, bring necessarily people in who weren't even considering getting in the market, but I think all those folks who are on the fence are saying now's the time to move. Yeah, and the problem is, I think, you know, you and I both know supply continue to be an issue. So even though, you know, we have such a, such a surge in demand towards the end of the year, which is unusual, supply stay put, sort of stay put. So that usually means we probably will see a bit of increase in prices a little bit more than normal uh, at the end of the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple months we see some increase in home prices a little bit higher than the typical uh, fourth quarter increase in home prices, which also means in the upcoming year, if we are seeing uh, sales demand kind of fizzle uh, a bit, we can see a uh, smaller increase in, most likely an increase in home prices, but smaller increase in home prices in the upcoming year as uh, previously, uh, as compared to what we originally forecasted. Forecast. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. I think that, you know, ultimately we're going to front load some of this price appreciation that we had baked in for next year. And you're going to see more of that happen, you know, like you said, at the tail end of this year. Um, but then as rates go up, then that's just going to eat into demand. And of course, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any rays of sunshine in terms of supply coming yeah. online. And so I think that, you know, we're going to see both demand growth or you know, sales growth ultimately fizzle uh, along with you know weaker price growth too. Yeah, one thing I do want to point out before we go on to um, you know our next uh, subject is I know I've seen some questions before from people asking about why refi and uh, purchase application go in separate directions. It might seem like uh, a, a little mysterious, but think about think of it this way: refi people who put in the applications, they usually compare their rates with past rates. Sure. For purchase application, they compare it to future What's, rates. That's right. So, you know, it's not a surprise. Many of the refi people, they might have refi or they may have gotten their rate, let's say, a year, two years ago, maybe three years ago. Rates were still maybe around 3.5, 3.6%, uh, 3.7. But for purchase application, people who are now comparing the, uh, their current rate at, let's say, 4% to maybe something about 4.5%. Right. Of course, there's a difference in terms of how to react to certain you know, rates movement. Yeah, exactly. I need to get in before I'm looking at a 6 7% mortgage rate, I think, is the psychology going there. And that's a great point because it's a completely different calculation. Like you mentioned, you know, rates have been low for so long um, that, you know, there isn't a lot of people sitting around with 6 7 8% mortgage right, rates right. anymore, right? Those folks have already refied throughout the course of this cycle down to, you know, 4%, maybe 4.2%, something like that. And uh -huh. so, you know, they were kind of trying to play it strategically and once it got down to 3.5% maybe it makes sense to try and you know bring that down 60 basis points again and see if you can save a little bit of money and kind of weigh in that against your closing costs and other money exactly. that you have to bring to the table um, but as rates pop back up they go oh, you know what never mind I'm already at 4% so I'm gonna go ahead and hang out right, right. And, and I you, think I think you mentioned a very good point refi people they will have to worry about closing costs closing costs is not just 
ten dollars, twenty dollars, it's a few thousand bucks. Yeah, which is not a small amount. And so, depending on how much money you're saving on a monthly basis and what rate you were at before, I mean, we can run our same calculation from earlier in the conversation backwards, right? If you're at four point two, you were thinking about refining down to you know three and a half percent or so, then you know, yeah, that's your three, four hundred bucks a month that you're going to save. Well, then the question becomes, you know, how long do I have to stay in this house right. before I, you know, my four hundred bucks adds up to this amount of closing costs that I have to put down? And so, um, you know, it depends on what your time horizon is for staying in that home as well. And so, it's just a much more, um, you know, complex calculation and one that's, I think, more. Um, sensitive to movements and interest rates because you know a tiny even a 10 basis point jump or or decline really kind of changes that fundamental calculation that you're doing there very true very true now let's switch switch our gear a little bit there have been some other news uh, in the last few weeks and towards the end or towards the um near the uh, thanksgiving time frame we have some uh release or announcement of loan limits that's right and for the first time FHFA, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, increased uh, maximum conforming loan limit uh, for the first time since 2006. That's right. Um, not much, but uh, they increased the 2017 baseline from for the one unit from 417,000 to 424,100. Mm-hmm. Now that is, you know, a very tiny increase only. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us here in California, um, it seems like the proverbial drop in the bucket. Um, but, you know, I think elsewhere in the country, that's maybe more of a, of a big deal. But here in California, it doesn't seem like it's, uh, it's really going to reverberate through our entire housing market to create this whole new um, set of opportunities. Yeah, it's only 1.7%. Of course, in California, we have a lot of high-cost areas. That's right. Bay areas. Um, the uh, loan limit that I mentioned, the number is 424100 That's the baseline, but for high-cost area, that's a, a bit higher. The uh, conforming loan f- limit for high-cost area is 636150 which is still only about a hundred, uh, only about a 1.7% increase. That's right. And, you know, we do have quite, if you look at, you know, all the counties in California, most of the counties, all, all counties except four counties, actually show uh, an increase in uh, loan limits. The only four counties are Alpine, Mono, Nevada, and Santa Barbara. I'm a little surprised with Santa, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's in that mix. That's interesting. I know. It actually, Santa Barbara last year was actually at the, uh, uh, at the max, at the ceiling of the conforming loan limit. But surprisingly, maybe because home prices did not increase that much in uh, Santa Barbara this year compared to last year, yeah. and so they did not adjust the uh, conforming loan limit for Santa Barbara. Gotcha. Uh, but for all those... Uh, for the 54 counties that got an increase, it's still 1.7%. For most, there are some that are seeing a bit more. Monterey and Sonoma are two that actually increased by more than 7%. But you can see you know, a pattern here. Monterey and Sonoma, those are cl- close to the Bay Area, uh, nine, Bay, nine, nine counties Bay Area. Yeah. And we've talked about the nine, Bay, nine, area, nine county Bay Area. And all the spillovers with folks who can't afford the housing, yep. So I'm not surprised if Monterey, and we don't have the number right in front of me, but Monterey and Sonoma probably has experienced significant increase in home prices in the last year or so. So an 8% or 7% is not a surprise. The other one that actually also increased more than uh, 1.7% is San Diego. Hmm. What, 5.5%? And I'm a little surprised with that. 
Because, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, San Diego's a, a powerful economy, and I think, you know, prices are growing there um, just because I think it has that kind of balance between, you know, maybe tech heavy stuff, especially in the biotech sector, but it also has some of the more kind of traditional sectors with, you know, defense, construction, and things. It's just a more diverse economy, and it's also just a big county geographically True. Um, with a lot of rural portions to it that I think are, are growing disproportionately relative to the city, and so maybe that, that underlies that number a bit. And, and if you think about it, you know, if people who cannot afford to live in San Diego County, where, they, where are they going to move? They can either move to Orange County, which is higher in terms of price, or they might have to move to Mexico, which is unlikely. Yeah, or commute from Temecula, which I know a lot of people do. My real motivation for jumping in there is just that I'm a native <laughs> San Diego, and I wanted to try and uh, talk about San Diego whenever I can. But Now, of course, so even with you know an increase in loan limit, we know that it's very small. Maybe for some f- few counties, it's a larger... 1.7 percent. What does that What does that really mean? I mean, for the high cost loan limit, it's only about eleven thousand ish. Yeah, six twenty five to six thirty six thousand mm-hmm. in right. terms of the cap for a, you know, what is that jumbo conforming or whatever? <laughs> right. So, it's realistically, is it going to make that much change? You know, unfortunately, if you look at our forecast, and I know we talked about kind of downgrading our forecast for price growth, but you know, I would be surprised if we didn't see at least 1% price growth and really just kind of blow through this whole, you know, increased cap on on the forming loan, even in high cost areas such that, you know, we're not really going to be that much better off when, you know, yeah, we got this 1.7% increase, but if prices go up 3, 4, 5%, uh, you know, people don't really, you're, you know, you're not really going to feel that in terms of generating all this new demand for people who can, you know, get in under a quote-unquote conforming loan. Right. I mean, don't, well, don't get us wrong. We'll it, take it. it. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything we could do, we could, we'll take it, but still, it's probably not going to help that much. Especially, but just being realistic, I think, about how much, you know, we can expect it to help. It will help. There's no doubt yes, about it. But definitely. it's just a question of, you know, the magnitude, order of magnitude of if, how much demand it's going to generate. And, and also taking into consideration that rates are going to go up in the upcoming years. So it probably will not help affordability that much. We'll take it, but it, it still comes down to supply. It still comes down to, you know, the uh, maybe wage growth and affordability issue. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll see how it goes, and um, we'll take whatever we have. Next year, maybe we'll have a little bit more next year because we anticipate an increase in home prices, most likely we will see more increase in loan limit. But how much, we'll have to find out you know, in the upcoming year. Yeah, and we'll keep you posted. All right, well, I think uh, we, we did a pretty good job on, on covering the mortgage rates and loan limits. There are a lot of other issues, but I think we are almost time. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have more issues to talk about in the upcoming weeks. and Lots and lots to talk about, so uh, looking forward to chatting next time. All right, thank you for tuning in again. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.